Good adventures, everybody. I'm Melissa Bontek, and welcome to episode 111 of Books Cubed, the show where I chat with authors you should be reading. It is Thursday, April 21st, and I'm excited to be chatting with Deb Hunter today on the show. And if you're watching on video, for some reason, it only recorded her, so you don't have to look at me this week. She is a historian. She is an author. We talk about her time travel romance, which I am very excited and very much looking forward to, which comes out in June. Let's get right to it, and I will see you after. Good adventures, everybody. I want to welcome USA Today bestselling author and historian and host of all things Tudor podcast, Deb Hunter. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me today. It's a pleasure to be here. I am so excited. I love history. I loved history classes. I wanted to teach history in, in high school. And then I worked as a sub as I was prepping and went, no, I don't want to be a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I think I'll write instead. So uh, how did you get started in history? Where does that come from? I am originally from the Chattanooga, Tennessee area. And of course, that's the ancestral home of the Cherokees. And then a generation later, the Civil War went through here. So you can't really grow up in the Chattanooga area without being surrounded by history. So when I went to college, I found it very easy to sit through history classes and kind of ace them without having to study a lot. And um, I had planned on being a professor, but I am literally so outgoing that someone got me in sales making three times what a professor would make. And I've never taught a day. I was in corporate America for, for years. That's That was my career. And I was diagnosed with stage four cancer four years ago. So that kind of changed everything. And um, of course, I can't work anymore, but it's it's very easy to write. Social media has made it very easy to reach your audience without being there physically. And then COVID has made it even easier to reach your audience without being there physically. So in in a way, this horrible thing that's happened to me has led to a very good thing happening to me, which is generally how it does work out. Yeah, you know, and, and part of it is seeing the opportunity there and realizing that there's uh, a way to change and embracing that and doing something different. And I, I love your All Things Tutor podcast, and you have a magazine also. I, I do. I just can't seem to be still. My mind is always moving, and I'm trying to think of new ways to bring people what they want. Um, I'll give you some insight into All Things Tutor. It started following one of my cancer surgeries, and my best friend and my husband were like, do something, do something, just create a, a Facebook group. That's what they finally came up with. They said, do a website, and there were 40 of us, friends and family, and I my friends and I would post different things about Tudor history every day. And now, this is one of the funniest stories I've ever heard. As of today, we have almost 26,000, well, we do have 26,000 members. So in just two and a half years, it, it's grown like crazy. So what I do with my podcast, I literally ask the members, who do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? Um, and then I also put that in the magazine and we just started the magazine. So it's brand new. Um, but 
it gives me something to do when I'm in chemo or or following a surgery and it keeps me active and I'm I'm not thinking about my disease I'm I'm thinking about what my members want so I, I think it's been it's been a huge part of my healing process I have to say that and I absolutely adore my group for a group that large we don't have fights we we all get along it's it's really a, a wonderful thing now for anybody listening and going tutor hmm wasn't that a TV show? Can you give them a quick <laughs> rundown of what that is? It's an era in history, in mainly English history, from 1485 to 1603. And of course, history overlaps. You know, they didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, it's the Tudor dynasty. And oh, today it's ended. And we now have other kings. Um, so it was Henry VIII. Anne Boleyn, I'm sure most of your listeners have heard about them. Henry had six wives, which is really not normal. And then he had two of them beheaded, which is definitely not normal. His, he had three children. He was in just, he was desperate to have a son. He had one son who died very young, which left two daughters to be queen. And one just happened to be Elizabeth I, which is considered one of the greatest monarchs of all time and just happens to be female so it's a very remarkable story about a very flamboyant very theatrical family that ruled for a short amount of time but made a lot of noise <laughs> for writers we usually when we think about research sometimes it's kind of tiring but Boy, I tell you that that's a really interesting period of history. And I think that I would really be able to just dive in. And how do you find yourself pulling away from all the research to actually get anything written? Well, that is a very, very good question. And something most of us that write in this genre ask ourselves every day because there is so much history and so, so much is being learned about the era even today thing, new things are coming out so it's definitely one of history's biggest rabbit holes now do you for the for the uh for the the podcast and the magazine do you talk about uh real real um historical events on the podcast i do i tend to talk to authors of course because that's those are my people um historians that have mainly written history books, but some also write fiction, which is the same thing I do. In the magazine, we're trying something completely new. I'm working with Terrence Hawkins, who started the the Yale Writers Conference, as in Yale University, and Dr. Norman Jones, who is an American, but a graduate of Cambridge, and a very qualified historian. So what we're doing with the magazine is half history, half literary so we're giving people the best of both worlds in in tutor fiction and tutor history and i think that's a pretty good that's a pretty big readership of people who read historical whether it's historical fiction or historical romance or historical mysteries or so what what kind of what kind of topics do you tend to cover 
what we covered in our first episode of the magazine was mainly Elizabeth one. Uh, Dr. Jones wrote an article about the pandemic. Elizabeth had a pandemic in 1563, I believe. And it's amazing the techniques they use that we are currently using, social distancing, wearing masks. Of course, their masks look different than ours, but just the things they did um, that are so much like what we're doing right now to escape COVID. People going to the country, which is what I've done, to um, to wait until the worst is over before we return back to city life. Um, things like that were actually happening during the reign of Elizabeth I. So we've covered that. Um, I did an interview with the incredible historian, Tracy Borman, and I also did an article on why Tudor history has caught on and why it seems to be becoming a part of pop culture, especially in America with, with the historical fiction writings of Philippa Gregory with the White Queen, White Princess, the Spanish Princess, and now six on Broadway, it's really becoming part of our pop culture here. So I wanted to, I hate to say bring that to people's attention because they already know it or they wouldn't be watching these things, but um, we focused on that. And then we had an excerpt from the writer, John Crowley, and a review was written by Terrence Hawkins. So we covered a lot of ground in that one issue, but it was mainly focused on the Elizabethan era. It's amazing how much you see, like if I scroll TikTok, I just see tons and tons of people talking about British history, talking about that time period and really into those historical uh, romance novels. Uh, I think there's some historical fantasy too that is really big right now. What other characters from that time period really stand out? Well, her daughter was Elizabeth I, so that would be my second guess, but any of the six wives, any of Henry VIII's six wives are going, they have, they have like fangirls, we'll call them. So, um, you can't mention a wife without getting a good response. His first wife was Catherine of Aragon, and then Anne Boleyn, Jane Seymour, Anne of Cleves, Catherine Howard, who he also had beheaded, and his last wife was Catherine Parr. Elizabeth was really the son that her father always wanted. She just happened to be a girl. So you've got the All Things Tudor podcast, but you also write. You write historical fiction? My last book was, it started out as historical fiction, but it kept coming back to the modern day. So I just wrote a time travel novel. (laughs) And that that way I could do both. And it has, it's set in modern day Atlanta, but it goes back to the American reconstruction and it has a subplot in the Tudor era so it's kind of complex um and sometimes I look at it and I read it and it's one of those books you write where it's like did I really write that but um it, it was fun I took an old novel my editor and I brought it up to date and this new story started coming in and that's when it became time travel 
and it's called I'll See You in My Dreams, and I will be relaunching that on June 1st. Oh, fantastic. Is there an audiobook for it, or will there be? There should be. I am hoping to do my own audio on this now that I have a podcast and I understand how things are done. And I, I just, I don't know. After hearing auditions, I, I think I'm the voice. I know that sounds, sounds <laughs> so egotistical, but the girl's from Atlanta and I just think I kind of have that, that vibe. And you know how... The, the, you know how it should be read since you wrote it. Of course, no one can get a Southern accent right. And I'm not being overly critical, but we do have a certain rhythm to the way we speak. And you can tell when someone is not a native Southerner. And I, I know there's some great actresses out there, but from where I sit, when I hear these auditions, a lot of them sound... <laughs> sound like they're auditioning for Gone with the Wind <laughs> instead of my book. And um, Atlanta's a, a lot different than it was 150 years ago. I mean, you're right, though, when you say that, it, that, that Southern speech has a rhythm to it, whether, whether you want to call it a rhythm or a style. But yes, the Southern dialect has a very distinct way of speaking. You're absolutely right. All American dialects do have their own style, their own rhythm, but there's something about ours that's a little more melodic. Yes, you know, I can listen to a, summon, a Southern voice. It's very relaxing if they're not yelling at me. I, I wish my friend Rachel used to work at a zoo and had a lady in Cloverdale that had found a, a of uh, uh, some kind of an owl in her yard. And Rachel did the best, Rachel's from the South, but she did the best talk imitating this lady of, well, I saw him out there, so I got my gun. That <laughs> <laughs> just makes me laugh because, I mean, that's exactly, it's like, yep, that's it. And, and um, yeah, they sent a gentleman out there like, be careful, announce yourself so she doesn't shoot you. <laughs> because... <laughs> We're all storytellers. All Southerners have stories like you talking about the lady and her owl. I, not long ago, I was invited to lunch with some friends. And of course, it was a joke, but they literally handed me a piece of paper that said, no storytelling today. <laughs> <laughs> and the second point of interest was keep all history talks to five minutes or less. <laughs> so they've got my number. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're if you're not a writer and you have writing friends, I'm sure you're going, yep, yep, yep. You, you have to kind of keep us in check because we know good stories. We want to share them, whether we've made them up or not or heard them. And yeah, we want to do all that. We want to. Gosh, well, you okay, have to no. try him to see what's going to get the best ending. Oh, that's true. And you know, you, <laughs> we kind of sometimes we tell our stories and then gauge the reaction of the people in the yeah. room because the ones, <laughs> the stories that get the most interest, those are the ones that we go home and we make notes and then we write books about those. And then we include all those people from the room in the book somewhere. <laughs> that's true. And they should be honored that we are sharing our stories with the whether yes. the stories are true or not is another thing. That's true. You know, it's it. If we tell them well enough, people will think they're true, <laughs> or you know. often enough. 
or often enough. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. Okay, so tell me again one more time the name of the history one that we were just talking about. The, the time, time travel. travel. It's called I'll See You in My Dreams. Oh, I like that. Is this a standalone or are there other books that will be in the same world? Right now, it's a standalone simply because my disease kind of has, it's hard to write when you're going through chemo because you can't really research. So what I've done is add a a prologue. It's not, it's not like a prologue. We were here and now we're doing this. It's more like a intro to how the lead character, whose name Maggie, how Maggie got drawn into this world of the past. And instead of doing, you know, time travel, we, we're all familiar with Outlander. Um, what happens with Maggie is she starts having dreams about these characters in 1873. And she's lured into this world, and there's these people she knows in real life in this time travel world. But there's also a mysterious stranger, of course, there always is. And he's extremely good looking, and he's a rock star, and a, a European rock star. So it, it all kind of ties together, and she sees it reflected in her real life. And I mingled the dreams with fairy tales, and it, it's really an, an interesting read, something well, different. It's got time travel, which is my, I mean, anything with time travel, I will read. I absolutely love, love, love time travel. Uh, it's just my, well, like I said, it's my absolute favorite thing. <laughs> well, we like that. We like that thought of, and I actually enjoyed doing it more than historical fiction because historical fiction does require so much research and time travel more or less cuts that research in half because half your book is set in the past the other half is set in the present so it made it easier for me to write i like that um i think it was wise of you said you, people had suggested that you that you start working on these things maybe your husband had said that when you got sick Yes. Yeah, I, I think that's really wise. Um, I've had several friends go through um, bad illnesses, and a couple of them didn't do things, and I think that helped deteriorate their quality of life. As you're writing, do you think this helps to energize you a little more or to exhaust you more? Oh, no, not at all. I'm, I'm one of those where if I'm capable, if I don't feel good, and I have a podcast, I'm going to get up for an hour and I'm going to do that podcast. And then I can go back to bed. Um, when I feel good, I I walk. Um, hopefully, once chemo's over, I'll get to start working out again. Um, I'm extremely active. And that's the thing about the internet. I can, I can be anywhere I want to be, talk to anybody I want to talk to. And they don't even have to know I'm sick. That That's the beauty of it. And this movement, even though it's not physical movement, it's mental movement, it keeps me from thinking about what's going on. I think but that's, that's just me. Everybody has their own journey. They do. And I think anything to help keep you active and your mind working, even if it's just listening to books or, you know, uh, doing crossword puzzles or 
actual puzzles or whatever, just something to keep your mind going. And you know, I don't even even someone who's completely healthy still needs those activities to keep you from getting just too sedentary. So this one is finished and it's going to be out in June, right? Yes. What what are you thinking about writing next? I'm going to let it come to me. I'm I'm not sure right now. Most of my books just kind of appear, so to speak. The idea comes in and next thing you know, I'm writing a book on the subject. So um, we'll just have to wait and see. I did write the new intro to I'll See You in My Dreams. So that that was a good exercise and got me back into writing fiction. I would like to do something in the Tudor era. So if anything, my characters from this book would go back to the Tudor era where there is that Tudor subplot and they could learn more about a ring that one of them inherited. Oh, I like that. Do you tend to do to do all your research and all your outlining or do you write as you go? I am very much an outliner, but I make it up as I go. <laughs> so the outline might say one thing, but the story might end up being totally different. But um, I tend, this is so funny, I tend to write my last chapter first. I know how my books are going to end. And after that, and the best advice someone ever gave me is you do not have to write a book in chronological order. So if I have an outline and I have an idea for one of my chapters, I'll go in and write that chapter one day and write another chapter another day. And I, I think that helps me creatively because I'm not stuck going, okay, how do I go from chapter one to chapter two? You know, I can go, okay, well, today, chapter three is really on my mind. I'm going to write it. You, you can outline, and I'm massively very anal about outlining, but sometimes something happens and your book goes completely in a different direction. I had one that I did all this research on coins and coin collecting. I held these great stories about people that had, you know, been at the mint and like thrown a, a, a screw into the press and it becomes part of a quarter and those kind of things. All these great stories that this, this coin collector, this coin shop, had, I sat and talked with them for hours. And this book was going to be all about coin collectors. And I think on chapter two, she went to a wrestling match and the whole book became about wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, what happened? This is much more interesting. <laughs> and I got it's to watch how that happens. <laughs> yes, I got to watch all kinds of, I talked to people who were um, semi-professional wrestlers. I watched a lot of semi-pro wrestling. And uh, yeah, and it, um, it yeah, it, you, I think you just have to be willing to go with the flow because sometimes it will take you someplace better. That's true. And I've studied acting instead of taking, well, I've studied writing, of course, but I took acting classes so I would understand characters and character development. And I think that helps me with my books because I don't want to say my characters talk to me, but um, I know a lot about my characters when I start writing them. I know who their parents were. I know what the past is. I know what their favorite food is. I know how tall they are. I know what color eyes they have. So I think that's one thing too that makes it easier to sit down and write. Or, or you know, you might have 
like one day character X has something to say and he's in chapter three. So like you said, you go in and write that part because he is talking to you, so to speak. So um, I, I really, my work is all character driven. Yeah, and I've had somebody say to me that plot driven and character driven aren't two things. They're the same thing. And it's like, no, you're not quite understanding. And I think it all came about with a discussion of the Princess Bride. It is very character driven. And people can say, no, 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 it's plot driven. It's not really because the plot doesn't really matter. It's the characters that matter. So if the plot is what drives it and the people are just along, then yeah, it's plot driven. But if you could take those characters and put them in any situation. That's the way I feel about my book because they basically have the same character in 1873 that they have in the modern era they just wear different clothes and speak differently because it's the protagonist dream world so she's taking what she knows and putting them in a different situation in her dream life except for this mystery man and i don't want to give too much away but she does eventually meet him and she doesn't recognize him oh, even though he's good. been in her dreams it's always good to have a mystery man in the book. <laughs> <laughs> I highly Most, recommend them. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, most definitely. So this will have some romance in it, uh, in addition to being historical. Very much. Very, very much. much. Oh, good, good. So there'd be a lot of very happy people out there going, yes, another one, yes. <laughs> yes. well, now, before you. we go, run us down really quick again about your All Things Tudor podcast. I mainly talk to authors and historians and or historians. It's released every other Tuesday. Sometimes we'll have a special guest that comes on and I decide to launch it early. It is um, only three months old, <laughs> so it's brand new, but I'm having a great time and I'm kind of surprised I didn't get into this earlier. So we've looked at pop culture. We've looked at actual history. We've looked at what people write. We've taken all kinds of angles on this. So it's not just me talking to an academic, which there is nothing wrong with that. I, some of my best talks have been with academics, but I talked to um, like one writer of a pop culture magazine on how Tudor history is becoming pop culture in America. So it's it's very varied. It's not just you're going to tune in today and we're going to, you know, learn about this. I, I like to keep things different. Well, it sounds exciting. It sounds like a, a must uh, podcast. It's available everywhere you find podcasts. Yes, it is. Oh, fantastic. So when you're done listening to this show, everybody, you'll want to jump down to the show notes or and click on the link or you can just type in all things tutor into the little search box on whatever podcast app that you listen to and you can find deb hunter and all things tutor well, thank you so much for coming on today i am so excited about your book in her dreams i'll see you in my I'll dreams i'll see you in my dreams i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> that was close I was close. I was close. Uh, yeah, I, normally I make notes and my desk is so full of stuff um, that I have no place to put a pen and paper. So anyway, but I'll have all the links in the show notes to everything. Thank you so much for coming on today. And I hope that you're feeling well enough to continue doing everything for a very long time.
Oh, thank you, Melissa. I appreciate it. And thanks again for having me on today. Everything we discuss will be down in the show notes. If you have any comments or suggestions for a future show, you can contact me at mel at melissabonzak.com. Spelled just like it sounds. But if you're a little worried, you can find it down in the show notes too. Just click that link and you can send me an email. I will see you next week with another great show. And in the meantime, go read a good book. Mm-hmm.